All right. Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are continuing our look at the amazing 1988-89 DC miniseries Batman the Cult by Jim Starlin, Brittany Wrightson, and Bill Ray. Oh, I love this issue. In a way, I just like want to stop after issue three and just say, the shit's really hitting the fan. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess we know now where uh, the third Batman movie, Nolan movie, came from, the story. Right? Yeah, the whole thing about uh, like everyone needing to evacuate Gotham and everyone resisting and all the gangs wandering the streets and the battles and everything. Yeah, yeah. the government not, not interfering and pretty cool stuff. Pretty oh, great. this is just such a great comic. Mm-hmm. And I realize we've said that over and over again. And the violence. I mean, I'm not always in fan of the violence, but it's brutal. It's like, R, if they made a movie, it'd be hard R. Yeah. This has got to be one of the darkest Batman stories I've ever read. I can't think of anything darker than this. No, I mean, they blew a guy, like one of the newscasters on live TV. Blew guy's brains out. I was just thinking how horrifying all this would be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they literally shoot a, a newscaster's head off. And, and like the, page yeah. two, we have a guy getting beheaded. Yeah. For a moment, I thought that that was maybe Batman's imagination, but maybe not. Either, either way, there are a lot of dead people around. So, right. I wonder what the body count is for this issue, for this whole mini. It's crazy. Probably the worst, bat, like most violent Batman comic ever, or I've ever read. Oh, I really that's, think so. Uh, that's sanctioned by DC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I can imagine an even darker one. I'm not sure I'd want to read that, though. Yeah, there's a, well, we can talk about that one if it comes to it, but. Which one? Um, I think there's one that uh, is by Josh. Uh, Simmons, like okay. he's like a bootleg Batman. That's like torture. It's not. It's not the. Basically, it's not a Batman story. It's just this is the most violent Batman story from DC. But it's like an indie comic you can get from indie shops and stuff. I guess that's the craziest thing about this is like this is a total mainstream DC comic. Yeah, yeah. like it came out in squarebound format. It's drawn, written and drawn by like two people who are total mainstream creators, Starlin and Wrightson, like mainstream all-star creators. But yeah. this is such a crushing, dark comic. Yeah. And I wonder, I'm assuming this was not comics code approved. In fact, I actually picked up the first issue of this at a bargain bin this weekend. Did you? I don't think there's any code up on it. So. No, that's not because it's square bound. It's got that embossed cover too. Mm-hmm. One of the first yeah. DC books with the embossed cover. But that package that came in originally is so nice. Like it really feels upscale. Uh, yeah, you, you, did you like the upscale pra- package it came in with the embossing? Yeah, I yeah, I had the issues before, but I just said, you know, this is like, I could probably get this for a quarter. So it's too, uh, too good to pass up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, good. it's worth it 
even leaving aside like the intensity of the storyline and how compelling it is and how Batman is really crushed and how the whole relationship between Batman and Robin really takes this really interesting turn in the middle of it too. Like leaving aside everything else, like Bernie Wrightson's art is unbelievably beautiful. And and Bill Ray's coloring. It's and amazing. Bill Ray's coloring, yeah. It's amazing. This is a great, and I can't believe how fast I read it. There's a lot of dialogue. It's not like a shortened dialogue. But for mm-hmm. some reason, it just moves so fast. You know, I just loved it. Well, I think Wrightson's just a really good storyteller. He keeps your eye moving through the page, right? I mean, like on page eight, for example, you know, when Robin's confronting Batman and he slaps him and he moves your eye through the page really well. Mm-hmm. So you're always yeah. feeling grounded in what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what you're seeing, like, with the how quick it is to read is how well it's created from a craftsman standpoint mm-hmm. like leaving inside the beauty of the artwork which is you know incredibly darkly beautiful and the coloring like your eye is specifically designed to move through the page in a way that emphasizes like the, the joy of reading it mm-hmm. like i mean like i keep looking through like a page nine on my digital copy for example there's there's the scene of Batman in front of Robin and um, he's kind of half in silhouette and Robin's behind him. And the next panel is just the two characters in silhouette, but you have them parallel between the two panels. So like you absolutely understand what's happening there in almost a subliminal way. Mm-hmm. And the book is full of scenes like that, that really kind of add to just the joy of, of reading through the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, like on that page, he does a really smart thing where he has uh, Batman always on the right and Robin always on the left so you never have any idea and never have any confusion about who's where on the page and I think all of that kind of helps you like the ease of reading through the story mm-hmm. as well as kind of emphasizing like the relationship between the characters and how he's telling the story because like in the fourth panel Batman's just a lot larger than Robin so you see he's and his fists are all are are all tight so you can see he's like the parent figure but he's also struggling and the next panel they're kind of back to back but only sort of back to back so they want to get connected but they're not quite getting connected and it's like this really nice kind of subtle way of telling the story in a way that adds to it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i know i'm the storytelling guy i love to kind of analyze how these stories work but i just think it's wonderful yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, just uh, I mean, the storytelling is key, right? Any, not that anybody can be a great drawer, but it is the storytelling. Hey, Jason, I gotta go shut off my cell phone. It's going off. Okay, sorry. Okay. But yeah, you hit it right on the head in terms of like the the storytelling. It's like it's beautiful, and there's no moment where I'm confused, you know, and the and the art totally matches the dialogue and vice versa and of course the coloring just oh i love the coloring of this issue is there a page or two that you especially love i mean i don't love this page but the part where the guy on tv gets shot the way bill ray conveys it it's almost like the blood splattered on the camera on the tv screen oh yeah yeah right and then anywhere where there's like you know, uh, just multiple colors on one page, like purples and reds and yellows, and like there's fire, you know? 
I think that page you call out is just a, another just like example of these, all three of these people just in sync perfectly with each other. Because mm -hmm. that page isn't overly wordy. You're getting exactly what we need. And it feels like something out of the movies. Mm -hmm. it feels like something Nolan could film. Yeah. Not that we would want to see it. Yeah, this is a totally like, I totally see this. Nolan was reading this one. The mm. fact there's no sound effect either when his when he gets shot. Mm. We just get the splatter. Because we don't need the sound effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, another part that I thought was beautifully colored was the scene where we see uh where we see the reverend bathing himself in the in the blood. Mm-hmm. We're finally getting an idea of how he's how and why he's immortal. We, of course, we don't know why he's immortal yet, right? But um, mm -hmm. where he's making that speech bathed in the warm cauldron of it once a moon cycle and you live forever. Like oh now, my I, God. Have, I haven't read further, and I'm you know, I, I'm obviously not till next week, but do you think that there's some supernatural thing is going on? Do you think there's going to be an explanation? Or do you think it's just a fraud? He's just a fraud. Like he's actually a different person. So I haven't read further either. But my guess is that based on the conversation on page 11 with Commissioner Gordon mm -hmm. and the other guy, there is something mystical happening. Uh, okay. The reason I ask is, um, you know, like in the in the Nolan movie, Batman Begins, Ra's al Ghul was not really mystical. It was just some guy throughout the ages, or or maybe people were. I don't know. Maybe it was. I don't know. People were fakes, you know. So you take on the title of Deacon. I don't know. Oh yeah, that could be it too. But he, like all along, the the Deacon has made comments about. Uh, being immortal, right? Mm -hmm. Even make he even monologues here about how what he he learned how to how to commit crimes that fit the second half of the 20th century. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So I think it is meant to be him, but like I don't want him to be like a vampire or something. I I, yeah. I think I kind of like it better just him just being a mystery. That's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. That would be cool. I mean, let me ask and you then, this. Do you feel like it would be better or worse if everything gets like neatly tied up in chapter four? Um, I would, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. I've been surprised all the way through. I thought I was going to hate this, by the way. Like, when we, I'm not, yeah, I was, I thought I was going to, because I'm not really into like super violence, but um, I would like, if it was me, I'd like it not to be veer away from mystical and more towards like something that can be explained because it's Batman. Mm -hmm. But it won't hurt if it's not. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. So maybe... I don't, I don't know how... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I want to hear what you're thinking. But because Batman generally doesn't have mystical... and I mean, it does. He does, but not really. Most of his... It's like there's an explanation, even though it's a comic booky explanation. Like Joker fell on a vat, and Riddler is a person. Um, Bane is just steroids, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
I think it would be nice if they tied the deacon into the Lazarus pit. And like you were talking mm -hmm. about, like have him have some connection to Rachel Ghoul. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been no foreshadowing for that. So it's hard to know, right? Mm -hmm. It seems like they want us to believe he's some sort of mystical creature. Because if they talk about the blood, it almost would be interesting for me if um, it actually is not. He's killing people for no reason. Like he thinks it's for a reason, but it's not. He's just crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think he's crazy at this point, or do you think he's he's got a plan and he's sane? I mean, you kind of have to be. <laughs> I I would say. I mean, obviously, he's crazy because he's killing people. But if you really think about it, like somebody like him, he's so like successful. He could have been successful as a business person, you know, but he has mm -hmm. this crazy thing of like doing things that are kind of evil, you know, like he put this guy in the corporate environment. He could be very successful. Yeah. Yeah. Makes you, but I mean, not a good person, <laughs> not a good person. Maybe that's a more modern story to do with him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't feel dated, but I can imagine it like, I don't know. Can you imagine this? I guess we just talked about the Nolan movie. So I guess I could imagine it being a, a story from this century. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I the Batman, the third one, uh, was it Dark Knight Returns or something like that? That one's um, like pretty much most of it came from this book. Seems like it, yeah. Uh, what do you make of... Um, the evacuation of Gotham City, how it gets deeper and deeper, and then half the people refuse to leave. Oh, yeah, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about the news saying, you know, half the people are divided. They're devotees of this deacon who's crazy, and half of them are not. I don't know. It reminds me of certain stuff happening in the politics nowadays. Uh-huh. It's exactly what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. We're thinking along the same lines. Like, imagine the deacons people being the January sixth people, and then half the country supporting Trump and half the country supporting Biden. Half the city wanting to stay and half the city wanting to leave. Yeah. Or like half the people being in denial about the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting to get that kind of resonance in this book, but I totally. I could totally feel like it, it reflects modern times. I mean, the sad thing about it is, what was this, 30 years ago? And more than 30 years, 35 years ago, maybe. Yeah. And things have not changed one bit. Although maybe this was a fantastical idea when Starling came up with it. And now it's just true. Yeah. Well, no, I think it's, I think it's always been this way because you can see it in like George Romero's films. Mm. And, and, you know, any movie that's about, like, a virus spreading across the world. But, like, something that, like, My Living Dead touches on this these ideas, and that's from the 60s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's a little bit, like, post-Nixon resignation and post-Vietnam, like, American cynicism. Mm. I that's... mean, Starlin, considering how old he is, he's he's definitely in that generation. That's right. had a more cynical view of the world. That's true. Was he born in the 50s, right? So he was mid-30s. He'd been through a lot in his life. So he didn't he serve in the military too? 
I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was is discharged and maybe he kind of felt betrayed by what he grew up in. Now I'm reading mm -hmm. totally into his psychology. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, but it's been, it was crazy. It's really a great, um, I don't know, this, this comic should be more popular. I think so. It should be in print, at least. It's not in print. I can't believe it's not in print. I mean, it's worth reading just for the rights and art. I mean, it is on the DC Unlimited app, so to that extent, okay, it's in print. Great. That's good, yeah. Um, and it looks fantastic on there i mean does this is a, go ahead no i was asking you it does huh how does it look i think it looks excellent i mean uh like right now i'm looking at the scene on pa page 42 where um the sniper is shooting the guy coming out of the uh mm -hmm. coming out of the sewers and it's got that beautiful orange and red and yellow coloring by ray across the page and it it looks amazing actually and the coloring um i mean i'm looking at the trade paperback which is almost an i don't want to say baxter paperback but it's like the cheaper kind which looks great on the, the trade paperback that i have oh yeah i can see it does mm -hmm. i think like the lurid color i mean right ray's coloring is not subtle right 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 i mean it's like if there's one word for this book, I might say it's like operatic or something. Like it's it's like all the all the energy up to a, the eleven, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing subtle in this book, and um, I think the coloring like benefits from like being on a brighter page or being on a brighter screen, mm -hmm. because like you know it just you just really feel the accentuation of the darkness of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Does it look? I'm sure you feel like it looks really good on that paper. It looks great on paper. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, actually, let me get the. Uh, I'm gonna get the issue, but but yeah, I think the paper looks great. Uh, with the, I'm actually interested in thinking. I didn't look at it from the digital perspective. So, are there any extras that you notice from digital you think wouldn't happen on paper? No, it's pretty much exactly the same book digitized as it is on paper. And um, I don't see anything that makes it look weird at all. Now, some of the books on DC Unlimited or DC Universe and Marvel Unlimited look like they come from scans and you can see the pixelation and stuff. Mm -hmm. But this looks like it comes from a really clean uh, digital copy of it because, I mean, the, the line work is, is spotless. And I zoom in and like zoom in as much as I can you know 400 percent or whatever and the lines are still immaculate actually it like brings out more of the colors because you can see like the way ray kind of like stippled the coloring mm -hmm. used um you know individual little tiny bits of it mm -hmm. but it doesn't look pixelated at all it looks like it's just a very naturalistic kind of mm -hmm. um, art style attached to it so it looks hand colored too it looks like uh -huh. he used you know that set of artistic dyes that you use or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What they call I'm them, Doc Martens. Not Doc Martens, but you know what I mean. Oh, okay. So I'm looking at the original trade, not trade, sorry, the uh, the um, the issue, issue. I'm looking at issue one, the coloring. 
I think the trade paperback that I have right now, the coloring is much better because it's on. So I would recommend to everybody, if you can, if you want to get it in print, buy the trade paperback instead of the original issues. I'm sure it's actually pretty expensive right now, but the paper is like not glossy and it looks better on the trade as opposed to the issues. I can't believe you got a copy. I guess I can that you got a copy for in the quarter bin. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just proof that you can find such treasures in the quarter bin. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, I see the the trade is forty eight dollars on Amazon. Wow, you can get the issues pretty cheap though. I bet. Yeah, I bet you can get it on eBay for less. Um, again, I'm just I, I want to talk a, a little bit more about how much I love Bertie Wrightson's art in this. Yeah, this is I, just a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I want to know what do you think? How does it how does it compare to his best work? And please go on because I want to hear this. I really want to listen. Yeah. Well, so I think this might be one of the best things he ever drew. Um, the only other thing I can think of that's at this level by him is the illustrations he did for the Frankenstein adaptation. Mm. Or they're not really adaptation, but the, the work he did for Frankenstein, which is like on a whole nother level, some of the most beautiful artwork mm -hmm. I've ever seen by anyone from who worked in comics. I mean, it's just transcendently beautiful. Mm -hmm. I hope that uh, the kayfabe guys talk about that at some point because it, you know, the way he uses flashing lines, the way he evokes these scenes is just immaculate. But um, here, like he's doing something different than he does there. And like, I look at like simple scenes, like the scene where Batman and Robin are walking in the subway tunnels and they come out of the subway tunnel and they see the violence on the streets. And I look at just the panel of like, they're walking on the tracks and you see the ladder, uh, the, the steps coming out of the subway and the level of detail in it, but also like the way he evokes mood and the way he takes the, like these small figures and you immediately know who they are and you get a sense of how they're feeling and the life and energy to them. Like everything about this one small tiny scene, one panel out of, you know, three or 400 in this comic. Mm -hmm. And it's immaculate. It's like a perfectly designed panel. It, add, it adds to the mood of it. And so, and to me, like what makes this book really special is you know, you can pull out any of the thousand panels in your trade paperback, and each one is going to be like this perfectly designed composition that also feeds into the larger storytelling, like I was talking about earlier, like moving your eye through the story and helping you understand what's happening in a way that feels organic. And then in combination with Ray's, art, Ray's coloring, you can tell they talked a lot about it. It just even adds so much more to it, you know? And I feel like we've talked about this now three weeks in a row when we've been doing the pod is like Wrightson's art just adds so much to the story. Mm -hmm. It really pushes the sto uh, Starlin story from being this pulpy thing to being this thing that's legitimately like intense and scary mm -hmm. in a very comic booky way too. Not, in, not using comic booky in a negative way, but like you, you're talking about Nolan, like Nolan couldn't pull off you know, scenes like the massacre in the tunnel or the scenes where Batman and Robin are crawling through the tunnels pursued. You'd get it, but you wouldn't get it in the same way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I mean, 
So I think this is just an absolute, I, I can't think of another work uh, that's um, as impressive by him, but makes me want to definitely read more of his later period works. I don't know as I don't know it as well as I should, I think. Uh, what do you think of the characters? So um, it, it's, um, we kind of have an inversion of Batman and Robin is like, who's the father and who's the son? Mm -hmm. Who's the adult and who's the child? Like what Batman's tortured, Robin's just thought they're kind of having fun in a way. Seems to be so full of life and energy. What do you think about the contrast between them? I mean, here Robin looks a little bit older than I thought he would be. Um, and I forget, is this, uh, this is not Dick, right? This is uh, Jason Todd. Yeah, I think it would be Jason Todd at this point. Yeah. And um, it makes, it actually, like, I don't know if they meant it on purpose, but it does seem like Jason Todd because he's, he's a little bit less child. I feel like he's less childish because he slaps Batman and he looks a little bit older, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, and he's brash, you know, he's just jumping in there and doing stuff. He loves to fight. Mm -hmm. yeah he likes beating up people the scene in the bar towards the end when he's just like jumps up on the bar and kicks that guy like he looks like he's having so much fun yeah i just uh, don't like his short short his daisy duke <laughs> gonna put him in that nice uh neil adams outfit <laughs> daisy dukes <laughs> I've got nothing but race for this comic. Except, well, yeah, the Daisy Dukes. <laughs> no, no, except the amazing. Daisy Dukes. And except for the, the violence is a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that part, what I really enjoyed was like, uh, also, it's, it's this is like an action movie, you know? Like the part where like he's not fighting and they're being overcome and then Batman just rages. Mm -hmm. You could see like him raging and then at the end he's like, <sighs> you know, like he had these Beat, beat up all the homeless people. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is like, there's a lot of meta here, which I don't even know if Jim Starlin is doing consciously. Where, like, Batman, this rich guy, his main number one enemy are homeless people, are poor people. Oh, yeah. I didn't think of that. The downtrodden. Yeah. The downtrodden are the bad guys. Huh. Tell me more about this. It's just interesting because, you know, people always joke about how Batman's superpower is his wealth. And then um, and then some people also furthermore say like Batman is really conservative and Superman is the man of the people, you know, that kind of thing. And, and that in a lot of ways, Batman should be could do a lot better with just paying and using his money to help the poor people instead of like beating him up in the alley and stuff. Right. And uh and I think this book kind of justifies his position in that, like, well, I don't know if it justifies it, but it kind of makes the downtrodden be the bad people in this case, you know? Mm -hmm. You have to wonder, though, if Bruce Wayne could have changed things so it never got to this place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Maybe if he'd done something to help people forgive their student loans or something. <laughs> Although I have a feeling that people that are part of uh, the Deacon's uh, aunt or entourage or whatever don't have any student loans. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> They're the down and out. I love the guy with the Viking helmet and stuff. And again, dude, they felt so much like nine or the, the January 6th people. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. This I I, did, I wasn't expecting that to like come so much to the surface for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, I, I I'm so excited to read chapter four and dreading yeah, it just I mean, a tiny bit. I may do it today. It's so I much think fun. I will. After football, I'm gonna do it today. That's right. Oh yeah, football. Thanks for doing this, Samir. Thanks, Jason. It was, it was a lot of fun. Can't wait to talk part four. Yeah.